The Start On Demand. On demand. Football, movie theaters, and more. Oh my! Phase two of reopening had lots of exciting stuff in it, including 100% capacity for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on August 5th. So we'll get reaction from the wedding industry as they can suddenly now have up to 150 people outdoors as of Saturday. That's a big shift for them to have to make. And we'll talk to a lawyer about having to be fully vaccinated to enter certain places like to go to a movie theater or a bomber game but what about the staff and we have a chat with a blue bomber season ticket holder in saskatchewan who as of now isn't allowed in and we had lots of fun today talking about scary jobs i'm brett mcgarry alongside greg mackling and loren mcnab we are mackling mcgarry and mcnab and this is the thursday july 15th podcast for the start Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. I suppose I can give myself a break for being a little distracted because, wow, was yesterday an emotional day, a busy day, lots to process. I think uh, I got what I was looking for out of yesterday. I know others are a little upset with the the changes. It's not enough for some, but uh, GMAC, uh, it was a good day for me. I would say a sea change in terms of our ability to do many of the things that we love. I agree with you. There are going to be some who are upset that these uh, restrictions were not loosened even more, but it's difficult not to be excited. If I'm being selfish just for a moment here about the fact that uh, up to 33,000 people will be able to gather in the friendly confines of IG Field come August 5th as the Blue Bombers take to the field for the first time since November 24th, 2019, and since October of 2019 at home. So Blue Bomber fans, sports fans uh, celebrating yesterday. And even within that announcement, Loren, there are some concerns about the fact that uh, fans from across the country, Blue Bomber fans, don't just live in Manitoba. Later this morning, we'll speak to a Blue Bomber fan, a season ticket holder, lives in Saskatchewan. And as of this moment, based on how this plan has been developed, she is unable to attend the game on August 5th. Yeah, and I, I think this will change in the days ahead. I think it's, I do believe this is one of the moments like we've had over the last 18 months when public health orders have come and gone and come and gone and come and gone and come and gone again. You know, you learn as you go. And so right now, first of all, I don't even think it's sports fans and Bombers fans that are rejoicing about the news. I think there'll be people at that game who might barely care about football, but will just be really excited to be great. Let's get together. Let's be in the stadium. Let's have some fun. I know there's a lot of people in that boat, but you have to be fully vaccinated. And right now it appears like there's a fully vaccinated from Manitoba situation going on there that might get cleared up in the next 24 hours 48 hours who knows but that's where some of the questions are coming in from bombers fans outside of manitoba well if i'm not out if i'm not in manitoba right now then is there a question about that and so i think i think this will get cleared up in the days ahead but you've got people you know i was saying i was at a pool yesterday uh took my kids to steinbach pool out they have an outdoor pool there and at 204 i heard this scream like coming from across the pool of excitement 
And I thought, I will bet money that has something to do with the public health order. So you know me, I go walking over to eavesdrop and there's this girl who's just so pumped. Her wedding is Saturday and she's gone from 10 people to 150 because she was always planning to have it outdoors. She had this backup reserve list of people she was telling them if anything changes, like I want, obviously want you to come. And she was in tears running off to go make phone calls and just leave, right? To start planning right now for this wedding that is in 48 hours going to go from a handful of people to everybody she wanted. And so her dreams are coming true. And so this is the kind of thing, the impact that these have of all sorts of ups and downs. Well, what about me? Will this work for me? Won't this work for me? Who will be included? Who won't? So, oh, I feel like that roller coaster will continue for a few days now. I got a text message from a buddy that reads, my manager is in tears. She can now have her full wedding list. It was only 25 people, 150. I said, full wedding. I missed that. And then he said it was an outdoor wedding. So 150. Uh, So yeah, a lot of people I think are probably having that exact same reaction, Loren. The, the, The emotions like for me, uh, the, this is the one when Rusin said this. Indoor gatherings at private residences are permitted to a maximum of five persons. That's uh, in addition to household. Well, I wasn't listening. I was at the golf course yesterday. I just pulled up the email while we were waiting to tee off. And I was with one of my buddies who I'm going to Minnedosa and Nipah with. And I just started slapping his leg like, yes, we can do it. We can go. And uh, so that was a big moment for me. And then, Greg, as you pointed out, when the when you texted us to say full capacity for the bombers, I thought, what? Mm-hmm. Just I, I n- did not anticipate that. So uh, there's a lot to be excited about here, Mackling. I agree. And, uh, you know, on the flip side, I got an email while I was in uh, while I was sleeping and, and uh, I shared it with the two of you from our friend, Laura. She's a, a loyal listener and she, she lost her husband uh in the last several weeks and she's very anxious to get family to celebrate that life and and to have a proper gathering and she's upset that the indoor numbers have not changed to a, right. can do that comfortably indoors and and I think that's the dramatic if there's anything that's obvious here yesterday I was hoping that we were going to get some extensive explanations on the whys and especially the why nots and the indoor, it's that the the public health officials, Dr. Rusin and his team, are very concerned still about the ease of to transfer from one person to another indoors versus outdoors. I think that's a line that we're seeing very clearly drawn. Distinction between the activities indoors and out is very stark. And I and, guess, uh, sorry, I got, I got to jump in just to point out, uh, and apologies, Loren. Uh, Jeff, I think we should plot Greg down. Uh, Greg, you, because uh, for anybody listening, Greg's, uh, his pitch went a little down. He, he, I there's wondered. Some, there's something <laughs> with, it sounded, Mackling, you sounded a bit more like this, so I don't I know. I thought he was tired and he really <laughs> wanted to make his point. <laughs> then I thought it's... Am I something wrong with me right now? Like, do I need to put up my hand and be like, I'll be right back. And I'm going to do a quick, quick few tests on myself because I wasn't (laughs) hearing that right. Question of the day, by the way, at CJOB.com. Are you pleased with the extent of Manitoba's loosening of restrictions? The question of the day is brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. And so far, we've got 68% saying yes, 32% saying no. So we're going to have much more on this throughout the day at 7.07. The wedding industry reaction. We'll speak to the Gates on Roblin and then Loren at 7.37 for the small town salute we're heading to churchill 
Churchill, right. So there's still rules, right, when it comes to travel for northern Manitoba. And a double dose is becoming increasingly that carrot they're dangling in front of everybody. So even to get to Ch- Churchill, if you're, you're, you need to have that second dose to travel. You need to prove it. What's that mean? How is that industry working in terms of tourism and travel? And then at 745, they keep telling everybody that you have to have that double dose to do many things, including that bomber game, for example. Well, what about staff at restaurants? Staff at places where you have to be double-dosed. If they, you have to go into a restaurant and you have to show two-dose proof to dying with people outside your household, well, again, what about staff? So we're going to talk to a lawyer about all the implications as we go forward with this ongoing get-dosed or you can't. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. This song is apropos Vertigo by U2 because in our next segment, we're going to be talking about scary jobs inspired. I'm sitting on my balcony the other day and I look out towards 55 Nassau, which is the, the, the high rise in Osborne Village. And there were some guys in the scaffolds that were painting the building. And I thought that uh, you could, <laughs> I don't know how much money you would, you'd, would have to pay me to do that particular job. So we're going to talk about scary jobs in our next segment. And you can text us at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win a $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia Pizza. How much would it take? How much would it, you have to get paid to do a job like that? Or it, what job would you not do for all the money in the world? Or maybe you have worked a scary job in the past. Maybe you currently work a job that most people would describe as scary. So we're looking forward to that conversation. It is the news many Manitobans, Greg, have been waiting for. Indeed, more restrictions are being lifted this weekend as the province enters the halfway point in its reopening plan. And as Global's Joe Scarpelli reports, with the changes to the orders, there are recommendations instead of rules. The Manitoba government's plans for what it calls one great summer is getting even greater this weekend, two weeks ahead of schedule. These orders um, really uh, don't require anything to be closed anymore, just uh, certain, certain activities may not be allowed at this point. Some extra activities, like going to the movies or eating with people you don't live with, are for the vaccinated only but masks are still required inside for all. The continued utilization of of masks allows us to loosen other aspects of of the orders right now. Like allowing fully vaccinated people to pack large outdoor events such as Bombers games. In a situation like that, Rusin says masks can be taken off, but with caution. If you're unable to distance, then, uh, then it is something that you should consider. More recommendations, not rules like that, are in Manitoba's future. But for now, Dr. Brent Rusin says the province is in a transition period. We're in this in this stage where we uh, can safely reopen certain things and in certain manners. But right now, um, we know vaccine is the best way, the safest way to protect ourselves, the people around us, and, and other Manitobans. On that note, the province's next vaccination target is within reach. Our reopening plan requires us to get 24,000 more first doses done and roughly 87,000 second-dose vaccinations uh, done as well. Something the Premier says can be done in just one week. Joe Scarpelli, Global News. So I think, Greg, we can agree the biggest change might come for Bomber fans. I think that was Mm -hmm. the whoa 
<laughs> for many yesterday. 100%. You just heard Cameron Poitras right at 625 repeat that 100% a few times because that's where we're at. That's how capacity limits are going to change at IGF. And then, you know, maybe going forward, we'll be talking about the Jets, right, in September. Thousands of people are going to be able to go to that first game next month. And Global Marnie's Blunt got a wide range of reaction on that. The new set of public health orders will see fans back in the stands for the start of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers season at 100% capacity. Great day in uh, Manitobans. Uh made this happen by getting vaccinated. And if you want to get back in the stands, you'll need to be two weeks fully vaccinated first. If you want to attend that game on August 5th, you have until July 21st to get vaccinated. You need to uh, have your Manitoba immunization card when you come and uh, have your ID checked when you when you arrive. Uh, so um, we ask that you come early on August 5th. Epidemiologists say the data is there to support the reopening plan. In other countries where I've looked at where data are available at these kinds of events, where everyone is fully vaccinated, um, I have not seen yet uh, an example of that becoming a super spreader event. It's very much unvaccinated people or, or not fully vaccinated people that are absolutely at risk. But with variants of concern, Carr says we still need to proceed with caution and still recommends masking up if you're heading to the game. I personally wouldn't mind just seeing that extra layer of protection with masks in place. And, and I anticipate that whether or not that's required, that probably a lot of people will do that anyway. Extra caution that will allow Manitobans to get back together and hopefully stay together. Marnie Blunt, Global News. That other voice you heard in that report is, of course, epidemiologist Cynthia Carr, who joins us on a regular basis, not only on the start, but on 680 CJOB. And and her advice and her research saying that these large-scale events around the world that we've been seeing on television for weeks and weeks now don't appear to contribute to any wide spread as she says super spreader events so that that's very encouraging now of course people love to travel travel for their sports and there are blue bomber fans right across the country right across north america lingering questions for some of those fans with the fact that this person wants to come to the game uh, hopefully that is something that gets changed because do you think, Greg, that this is probably just one of those things where like they're they're just they've they've got their their base plan out and they're work ironing out the kinks? I think that's exactly what it is, Brett. Obviously, you come to the table with a, a master plan that you think is going to be acceptable, and then boy, all of a sudden you go, What about this situation? What about that situation? And and Wade Miller said uh, that you know, they're going to be working on this with the province. This is a, a plan that the Blue Bombers presented to the province. It's been approved, but now they're going to tweak it. And and I suspect they're going to do everything they can to find a way to recognize those from out of province that have been double vaxxed. So at 9.05, we will speak to Tatum Lee. She's a longtime Blue Bomber fan. She lives on the wrong side of the Saskatchewan-Manitoba border but that doesn't stop her from coming to every single home game and we'll find out how upset she is and how hopeful she might be for a, a resolution uh, to her satisfaction on and this front. 
And a reminder, question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. Are you pleased with the extent of Manitoba's loosening of restrictions? 67% say yes. 33% say no. Cast your vote at cjob.com. And we'll put that poll up on Twitter as well, at 680CJOB. In a moment, we'll talk scary jobs. We already got a text from somebody who says, Good morning, scary jobs. I'm a crane operator at 300 Main. I asked, do you find it scary? Not really. I'm not afraid of heights. I have the best view. We want to talk about scary jobs right now because I'm sitting on my balcony a couple of days ago. I live in Osborne Village. Uh, I And I live in a high rise. I, I live on the 16th floor and I get to look out at a pretty, pretty sweet view and I'm looking out at 55 Nassau and there are two scaffolds on the building and they're painting it by hand. They're actually hand painting this building. And I thought you could not pay me enough to get into that scaffold to do that job because I'm kind of a wimp. So we wanted to talk about scary jobs. Which jobs would you not be able to do? Or maybe you have a scary job or have worked at a scary job. 204-780-6868. Because it might not be scary. What's scary for me might not be scary for you. You might think it's awesome. You might love it. Like we, they're a crane operator at 300 Main who says, I've got the best view. So let's go around the horn here. Loren McNabb, why don't we start with you? You know, you should never Google jobs that you wouldn't want to have because <laughs> you end up with a lot of insemination photos of bulls, etc. that I just oh my. stumbled into at about 625. So just, just I wanted to give people a heads up. That's not where you want to go at, in, in the morning or even in the afternoon. They're like, I was just curious. What if, you know, someone always has done a poll somewhere, right? Of the worst jobs or scariest jobs and all the rest. And anyway. There's that. Um, <laughs> just, I just wanted to throw that out there. I, uh, I think for me that the job that I would find really scary, I, heights is a problem for sure. I remember going out with a windy window wash, washing crew a few years ago, and that was like scary as heck. But because of my fear of the ocean and, quite frankly, fish, I would not want to be a, a fisherman. I just don't want to be out there and I don't want to be hauling up things from the sea in those nets. You don't know what you're getting in those nets. Don't tell me it's just going to be lobster because something's going to be in there where you think, what is that? Yeah, like and, that, uh, uh, that, that that scary alien fish that washed yeah. up on shore a few weeks back. Right. So I'm not, I, uh, kudos to, I like, I'll eat your fish. <laughs> Thank you for doing it. But I don't want to pull up that net every day and just be like, oh, God, what is coming up from the deep? No, well, thank you. The closest I want to get is picking the lobster in the tank at the front of the <laughs> restaurant. That's as close <laughs> as I want to get. Cam Poitras. Wow, I, I got to go with the heights. I mean, there's nothing that gives me the heebie-jeebies than somebody out there cleaning windows, especially when they don't even have, like, a piece of scaffolding. It's just, like, a rope, and it's, like, underneath their butt. Yeah. And there's just, like, those two straps under their butt. And it's like, that's all that's saving you from a, a, a horrible fall to your doom? <laughs> um, uh, I, I just like, I watched, I watched them come up here because we're on the 30th floor. So I've seen them put their straps on and get all ready and then they just go over the side and I just, I'm like, I can't do it. I can't even like stand too close to the, to the windows here <laughs> or I get like complete vertigo. And so I, I, that's, that's it for me. Window washing, like bu- big buildings. I could not do it. Forte. I'm kind of on the same boat. As Loren. Oh, <laughs> yes! I, I was, I was going to say, though, under the sea. Wait, wait, wait. Under the sea. There you go. Under the sea. Darling, it's better. Take it from me. 
Anyways. Up on the shore, they have the scent. <laughs> she knows all the lyrics. She knows uh, all I, the lyrics. I could sing it too. I was gonna let Loren take it away. Oh. Uh. Anyways, I was gonna say, you know, being in a sub, you know, whether you know being in the navy or oh, you know yeah. being like a researcher, it just that would creep me out because all the water pressure, yeah, it just, uh, I can't even think about it. You know, I want to be where the people are. You know, I want to yeah. see, I want to see them dancing, walking around on those. What do, what you, do you call, call them? them? Feet. Oh, feet. <laughs> up where they walk, up where they run. What did I start? What did I start? <laughs> uh, Skylar Peters. Uh, well, first of all, it's not fair that Forche is the only one with access to music in this segment, so his answers are like automatically better than everybody else's. <laughs> well, whatever. I'll leave that aside. I'm only here for one week. So, uh, yeah, I, I got to go with, uh, like, I've seen way too much Deadliest Catch, man. Like, that's just... That's just crazy for me. I like like a nice quiet ride on a pontoon, not uh, like going up and down like 40 foot swells for sure. Either that or um, underground mining. Like if I if I can't see daylight and I know it's like mm. not easily accessible, like if it's like a, a big jaunt in a cart away and, you know, that uh, that Chilean miners thing from yeah. well, like a decade ago that ever since I heard that, that was just an absolute no go for me. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Greg Mackling. Well, you know, I think the crab fishermen, uh, based on what I was reading earlier this morning, it's one third of all Alaska's uh, on job deaths every year. It's rated the most dangerous job on the planet. Rodeo clown. Thank you. No uh, war correspondent. <laughs> I think you've done this, McNabb. So uh, kudos to you. It's rated as one of the most dangerous jobs. How about being an arachnologist, arachnologist, <laughs> working with oh, spiders? No. Thank no. you. I will pass that on to anyone else who wants it. But I got to give a shout out to my buddy, Greg, his job, one of his jobs at the Manitoba legislature is to change the light bulb in the torch of golden boy. <laughs> wow. So I've asked him the next time that he does that, he only has to do it once every several years. Cause that light bulb, I, I guess is high efficiency, but I've said the next time you have to do that, I want to be on the ground watching you do it. So good morning, Greg. Hope you're having a great morning, my friend. That uh, job sounds extraordinary, but no way am I going up on that ladder. Can to you imagine the light bulb goes out? You just want to be like, can we just leave that? Like, do we really need to? Does anyone? Is it really important? <laughs> <laughs> they got to get some sort of solar powered bulb up there. 204-780-6868. Text us the scary jobs you could never do. Or maybe you have worked what would be considered a scary job, or perhaps you currently have a scary job. We're getting some of those text messages like a tow truck job. No one knows the rules. Slow down and move over. But, uh, hey, I am not scared, says this listener. So $20 gift certificate, Santa Lucia Pizza. We'll give it away just after 9.15. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. In our next half hour on the subject of the loosened restrictions, we'll talk tourism for our small town salute. We'll head to Churchill, and then at 7.45, so you have to be fully vaccinated to enter certain spaces to do certain things, like go to a movie, go to a bomber game. But what about the staff? We'll talk to a lawyer at Pitt Blado Law. Big changes in just a matter of hours for the wedding industry, Loren. Yeah, Saturday morning, of course, these new rules go into effect. And if you're 
planning on an indoor celebration. Not much has changed there. They now go to 25 people, but outdoors capacity is now 150 people. And I said at the top of the show, I was at an outdoor pool yesterday and heard a scream of excitement and later learned that this woman was a bride and has a wedding plan for Saturday and had a backup plan, Greg, already in the works to move that list from, you know, just a handful of people to 150. And so she was overjoyed and was heading straight home to basically make these plans and put things into effect to increase her celebration. Well, now I generally have a philosophy in normal times, the more the merrier, but... I mean, to be able to essentially expand your guest list by 600% in a matter of a couple of days. Well, let's talk about this. Ray Louis is general manager and owner at the Gates on Roblin. And Ray, good morning to you. I can only imagine that your phone has been ringing off the hook. It has been, actually, just before uh, we started this call. Another one had just called to exactly what you said, screaming with happiness, 600% increase in her outdoor capacity. But how do you accommodate that, especially if it was this Saturday? Well, can well, tell us about you're, some you're of You're the expert. <laughs> how do you do it? Well, uh, space is probably the first thing. Um, and finding tents right now in the city, uh, we own tents uh, on our property. But for people who have to rent, uh, I heard the rental companies were just uh, exploding even even more so than us. Uh, it is a challenge with the uh, staffing side of things as well. And part of it is with the, what you're talking about this morning, uh, the vaccination later on to this morning, I'll be talking about the vaccination of the staff. Uh, some of our weddings and our couples have required the staff be vaccinated. And uh, that's going to be a challenge as well for everyone to be uh, in that category. Well, can we ask you, so the, the, the customers are requiring that your staff are vaccinated, so I guess that's uh, that's not a, a requirement of your, of your own for your business. No, and we haven't made it such. Uh, I don't even know exactly where the legal requirement or the legal uh, parameters are for that, um, but we have recommended that our staff get vaccinated. A lot are, most are actually, but uh, that that in itself is one of the HR challenges that we're facing. And of course, the other is is just that the industry was decimated. And most of our employees have moved on to other things, and we just have to get them back. And this yeah, is a right. very quick change. Yeah, we, we heard from restaurants earlier this week on Global News just talking about like the, that desire to hire back and where you get those people from. So you've got a people issue, you've got a tent issue, you've got the vaccination question, Ray. And so, you know, there's part of you, I'm guessing, that wants to be excited about this, but your head must be spinning a bit in terms of how you accommodate all this. I mean, how many weddings did you have planned Let's just start with this weekend. And are there people trying to, are, are all the people calling to ramp things up this weekend? And what is, what's your answer to them? Well, this weekend, exactly. I have a wedding today. And uh, she's probably uh, thinking, boy, two days difference. And I might have had more guests. So the, it, it's really the lack of notice because two days to ramp up 600% is uh, not good for any business, but for ours where things kind of have to happen at a specific time, but with a lot of changes, if it goes from 25 to 150, um, it, it's, it can be crippling. The, uh, w- this weekend, our Saturday weddings are going up, our events are going up, and they're all asking if they can go outside, and uh, it's going to be a challenge. What would be the answer here, though, Ray? I mean, the the province has been switching all their 
all their uh, restrictions and, and suggestions at 12.01 Saturday for, for weeks and weeks, if not months now. Uh, two days notice has sort of been the, the game plan here. Is it just sort of par for the course? Not much we can do about that. And, and you're sort of stuck in the middle here. Essentially, I think you have it. It's whatever we can do, we will do. Um, you know, I think I said earlier, we do have tents. Uh, we, we've been putting them up all over the place. And my answer is, if we can do it, if we have the space, we're just going to go ahead and do it. Um, and, and finding staff, sometimes it's going to be borrowing staff from other restaurants, which may not happen right now because everyone's going up in numbers. Uh, and just making it happen, making it work. And then on the subject of, of the restaurant component, uh, reaction to the 50% uh, increase? Well, with the household rule in place, it, it really doesn't increase our capacities too much because most of our dining is also events. So with, uh, with the household rule, it still limits how we can seat the tables. Now, uh, the vaccination uh, um, piece is very good because a lot of our guests are vaccinated and double vaccinated. So uh, we can go up to the 50% in, in groups where everyone is vaccinated due to just uh, seating, uh, seating arrangements um, and make better use of our space. So not a bad thing at all. All of it is is good. Like you said earlier, we are euphoric about the loosening of restrictions. It is a good thing right across the board to go back to some sort of normal. The little challenges of putting uh, staff in place and putting up tents, all of that is mitigated by the fact that we are moving in the right direction. That's good good to hear, Ray. Hopefully there's not too many more questions in the days ahead and you can get back to to figuring this out. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. No, thank you. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we are asking you at 204-780-6868 for the $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia Pizza. We're talking about scary jobs. Is there a scary job that you couldn't do or wouldn't do with for all the money in the world? Or maybe you have a scary job or have worked a scary job like Johnny who says on weekends and some weeknights I pick up my camera and shoot rodeos and barrel racing and there is a very small handful of us that get into the arena and get the perfect shots. I've only been knocked down once by a pickup man and uh, got pressed up against the fence by a barrel horse all in good fun. So yeah, photography like Loren, uh, you know, in some of the parts of the world you've been in I'm sure photographers put themselves at risk to to try to get the, the good shot. Sure. The very first thing I ever learned, actually, from a, a photographer I worked for years with, Jeff, um, my first trip to Haiti, we were walking towards, there had been just, we were just months post a, a coup there. And he said to me as I was carrying the tripod, put the tripod down and wave to the military members over there. And I was like, why? He's like, because in some spaces that tripod looks like a a, a RPG launcher, like something that you're carrying on your shoulder to fire a weapon and you could get hurt if they can't see that from the distance that they're at. And I was like, oh, wow, like all the little things that you don't think of because of the scenario you're in. But I, I would walk behind the photographer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Man, they do great work. They do really great things. Uh, yeah, you know, you're, you're choosing to go into that situation. So for sure it can get scary. But again, you're making choices. There's all sorts of jobs that people have that they like even because they've decided to do that but there's also uh did you see the listener who texted at seven seventeen? jacob 
Greg. He said, uh, Kevin Bergen has a scary job on weekends with Clay Young. <laughs> There's all sorts of danger. There's all sorts of scary, and your interpretation of such, I guess, can vary person to person. Uh, Mike Maskell, boy, he... Uh, sent in something that painted a picture and a half. Good morning, guys. In terms of scary jobs, how about the high-tension hydro wire inspection technicians? There's a mouthful. I've seen videos of them hanging off a helicopter, dressed in a metal discharge suit, and then they get onto the line to work on it. Too many scary aspects going on here, working with electricity, hanging off a chopper, and heights. That's a big nope for me. Cheers from Mike. Small town salute, and we want to ask the question, are you heading out of town this summer? So many things have changed over the last few weeks when it comes to options on that front. If you're double-dosed, you can leave the province without the need to self-isolate upon your return. And more changes, Loren, could be coming in the weeks ahead for international travel. Yeah, so people might be leaving Manitoba, but there might be people coming to Manitoba or changing where they might think about traveling this year. And of course, we know Churchill has attracted people from all over the world for years now. John Gunter is president and CEO of Frontiers North Adventures. Good morning, John. John, are you there? Yes. Can you read me? Yeah. <laughs> we got you. You're, you're, we're going to pretend like this is because you're way up north, but I, I kid, John. How are you doing this morning? Not too bad. So let's just clear this up first for anyone who might be thinking about Churchill as a destination this summer. What, has anything changed with the public health orders and travel when it comes to going north of the 53rd? Yeah, so since, since last December, there's been a... Um, uh, essential travel only to the north in Manitoba, and that was updated about a month ago where those who are double vaxxed with the two weeks um, have the exception has been made so that that they can travel to the north and then, of course, their kids with them if they're under 12. Obviously, some big news yesterday, John, zero cases, new cases of COVID-19 in that northern health region yesterday. That's great news. And uh, first, uh, a comment and then a question. My dad is, has traveled uh, extensively around the world over the years, and he says bar none, his number one experience in life is kayaking in the Churchill River with the beluga whales. So what are you hearing from would-be tourists who might like to come to our part of the world, your part of the world, to experience something similar? You know, that's really interesting that you say that. It's uh, We're... Where I think it's, I also, I, you know, where when people think about Canada all, all around the world and they think about traveling in Canada, they're thinking about things like Anna Green Gables on the East Coast, the Rocky Mountains and polar bears and blue whales in Churchill. And where, you know, we, Churchill holds this reputation around the world as being one of the, you know, top travel destinations. But within our own province, it's sort of like, you know, the crash test dummies got popular elsewhere before they really became a thing in Manitoba. It's sort of like the same thing. We, uh, it's, you know, we're in, we're in your, our own backyard here, and sometimes pastures always look greener somewhere else. Churchill's this amazing destination. And right now in Churchill, with uh, the beluga whales have arrived in the mouth of the Churchill River, there's, there's essentially thousands of beluga whales in the mouth of the Churchill River. And the experience that your dad shared <clears throat> that... Uh, 
it was probably one of these things where I didn't expect it. You know, people say they, oh, no, I've been to northern Manitoba. Uh, you haven't been, if you haven't been to Churchill, you haven't been to Churchill. You know, we've got, we end up having more in common with destinations like Jasper and Tofino than we do with maybe any other preconceived notion you might have of northern Manitoba. So we're this really cool destination. We've got a lot going on and, uh, and we're open for business. So what are some of the kind of tours that you offer? Uh, well, so, so um, you know, interestingly, Churchill, most of the guests that we're typically hosting are these international travelers. And um, when COVID set in and we had to sort of turn our sights to figure out how we can adapt what we're already doing to become more attractive for, for those of us in Manitoba, um, we kind of we, we kind of had to take things down and break thing break what we would normally do in these like guided group trips that ended up being maybe a bit more expensive for Manitobans and we've broken them down into more of an a la carte manner. So so Manitobans, I think uh, just the way that we buy travel in our, in our own province, we've broken things down a little better. So you know the number one thing in Churchill during the summer is getting out on the water with the beluga whales, either stand-up paddleboarding, kayaking in a Zodiac, uh, in a larger sort of Transport Canada-approved boat. So a lot of ways to get out there on the water with the whales. And as well, uh, dog carting during the summer, Uh, not necessarily dog sledding, but dog carting with with Wapuska Adventures. Uh, We're heading out. And we're doing these tundra buggy tours during the summer. So there's, there's an opportunity to see a polar bear. Maybe not a, as a great opportunity as, during, as there is during the autumn, but still an opportunity to see the polar bears out on the tundra during the summer. So, you know, we've, you know we're, used to, we're used to operating. We're used to hosting guests. And uh, we're excited to be able to get back at that. Well, if people are looking right to head up there, John, where do they go for some more information uh, in terms of just trying to figure out, you know, get in touch with you and your company? And, and, and it just should add, too, you can see the Northern Lights even now, right, at this time of year? Well, you know, it's interesting you say that. We, we're just sort of, uh, with the way that things are just slowly opening up, uh, we would have liked to have had this message out a few months ago. But we understand, you know, it's a global pandemic. We're, we're going to roll the punches Right now, you know, we understand Churchill's a destination where you need a bit of lead time to be able to budget your, your vacation and your, your money and your time appropriately. So, so leaving and starting to plan to get to Churchill now, you're probably not going to get there for a few weeks. And as it turns out, August in Churchill uh, is a great time to see beluga whales and have an opportunity to see polar bears and northern, northern lights all in one shot. So, the second half of summer in Churchill, you can check all those things off the list. It's an amazing time. And then, you know, given that uh, we are, we're essentially running out of, out of summer as we speak, um, if families need a bit more time to prepare and plan, uh, we're already thinking about, you know, how we're going to roll out our autumn polar bear trips and how that's going to work with Manitobans. So your, op- your options there are some amazing stuff to do, to do during the summer in Churchill and some cool stuff to think about and plan for during the autumn. And we've got uh, all that information broken out for Manitoban audiences in a manner that sort of like in a, in a way that Manitobans can appreciate and like to sort of um, 
consume. And that's all at a website at cometochurchill.com. Super simple. All right, John Gunter, President and CEO, Frontiers North Adventures in Churchill, joining us live on The Start. John, thank you very much for this. Yeah, we'll see you up in Churchill. Mackling McGarry McNabb with changes to public health restrictions. Loren, come more requirements for proof of vaccination. Yeah, so if you want to dine with people outside your home in a restaurant, you still need to show that you've been double-dosed. That's been in place for a while. But casinos now, bingo halls, theaters, they're all reopening Saturday at 50% capacity. And again, that's to fully immunize people only. And same goes at sporting events. That first Bombers game next month, proof of a double dose will be required. But we've been seeing this question on social media over the last 24 hours. If I have to be double-dosed to enter a growing number of places, do the employees at those spaces? Nicole Smith is a lawyer at Pitt Plato Law and joins us now. Good morning, Nicole. Good morning. How are you? We are well, thank you. Uh, at 7.07, we spoke to the owner of uh, the Gates on Roblin. They do a lot of events like wedding, and, and he says he's getting questions from, say, would-be brides asking for the staff at their events now to be vaccinated. So let's just start with the customer. Is it legal for the customer to ask that question of a business? Well, they can certainly ask, but a customer really can't require an employee to provide um, a, 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 any, yeah, provide an employee with an, the ability to provide their medical information. That's, that's covered by SIA, which is the Personal Health Information Act. So there's no ability to for a customer to require an employee to give that information. And really, they, they're not even likely to be able to require the employer to advise whether the certain employee is, is vaccinated. We, we really need to keep in mind that any vaccination policy that an employer may implement has to be very careful to respect employees' privacy rights. And that really means keeping personal medical information confidential. I'm I'm thinking about this as a manager or owner, Nicole, and is there even a, a way for me to navigate that question? Could could I even put up a sign up sheet or or even a notice that says, Hey, a lot of our customers are asking that the people that serve them are double vaccinated. If you qualify, come see me, sign up here. Like is there anything similar over the years that we can refer to that would help us navigate this or is it is it def, just a, a no-go zone altogether yeah it's it, it's definitely a gray area and there's not a lot of um, recent case law that's dealing with this these exact circumstances that as you can imagine any complaints that we have seen or that have been in place thus far are really still working their way through a human rights tribunals or or the courts but the what we do know is that a starting point for this is that an employer an employer has an obligation to provide a safe workplace which can cause some tensions with human rights law but uh, at the same time employees need to be safe when they're working uh, subject to certain exceptions of course and employers also have an obligation to take reasonable steps to protect the public so if a workplace is high risk of covid-19 transmission it, uh, it likely would be considered a reasonable step to implement uh, a mandatory vaccine policy as long as that policy is very careful to, to accommodate any employees that are unable to vaccinate for, for reasons that are uh, a protected ground under the Human Rights Code. So that in these circumstances would likely be on the basis of disability or pregnancy or even religious grounds. 
So then, when it comes to navigating this uh, from an employer's perspective, uh, based on what you just heard or what you just said, I guess they are at the very least allowed to ask employees the question on vaccination. Um, customers, I would say no. Employee uh, employers are permitted to ask, but they uh, and they're even permitted to require vaccinations. But as long as there's uh, an accommodation process that's in place that's sort of assessed on a case-by-case basis which could include um, you know allowing a work an employee to work from home or from a separate location that's not uh, it's separate from employees or from customers there really has to be they have to show an employer has to show an ability to to accommodate any employees who can't vaccinate are you getting a lot of questions on this, Nicole? I'm curious how often the phone's ringing from businesses saying, putting up their hands saying, I don't know what to do, help. Absolutely, yeah. Employers are very um, cautious about this type of um, any kind of mandatory vaccination policy, and rightly so. And um, to be honest, since this pandemic started, employment lawyers have been had their phones ringing off the hook. What about restricting the things that you can do as a representative of the uh, workplace, Nicole? Like the idea that, yeah, you can come to work, you can do this nine to five, but other events that are in and around and associated with where you're representing, say, at a golf tournament, which you can't even go to in Manitoba right now, or other events, can the employer say, yeah, only those employees who are double vaccinated can attend on our behalf for the safety of our customers, et cetera. Yeah, and that's, again, a bit of a gray area. And so if the employee is on duty, then the employer has the ability to require certain, uh, you know, certain vaccination policy, for example. Um, however, if it's on their, you know, their private time, they're, they're, they're off duty, then that's a different story. Nicole Smith, a lawyer at Pitt Blado Law, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Nicole, thank you very much for the time and access. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, make sure you keep your text messages coming at 204-780-6868 on the scary jobs that you wouldn't do for all the money in the world, or maybe you have had or have what one would consider a scary job. George in Arizona told an unbelievable story. We'll share that in our next segment. And we'll give away the gift card, the Santa Lucia gift certificate, just after 9.15, based on your text. But to start this half hour, we head virtually to South Africa, where violence continues, Greg, a week after it began. And for me, this is a story that was not even on my radar until yesterday. I have to confess Crowds looted shops and offices in South Africa again yesterday. The continuation of violence that has killed more than 70 people and wrecked hundreds of businesses. The images coming out of South Africa are startling, to say the least. The unrest, the worst in South Africa for years, also disrupted hospitals, struggling to cope with the third wave of COVID-19 and forced the closure of an oil and gas refinery. Protest triggered by the jailing of ex-president Jacob Zuma for failing to appear at a corruption inquiry last week have widened into looting and an outpouring of general anger over the hardship and inequality that persist 27 years after the end of apartheid, Loren. 
Yeah, and you mentioned some of that anger. There's been that looting. There's been uh, shopping malls and warehouses ransacked or even set ablaze in several dif- different cities. Uh, you might have seen pictures out of Durban or Johannesburg. Soldiers have been sent onto the streets to help outnumber police contain the ar- unrest and order. And that's helped restore some things. Uh, but, you know, in the northern city of Alexandria, which is north of Johannesburg, they're making headway there, Greg, but there's still a lot of trepidation for people. Let's try and uh, get some first or secondhand account here. Our next guest is from South Africa originally. She now calls Winnipeg home. Michelle Kay joins us now. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Greg. Uh, Firstly, thank you, Brett and Lauren, for having me on the show and uh, amplifying the situation. I really appreciate it. Well, it wasn't until uh, you reached out to us yesterday that I was even even aware of what was going on in South Africa. I'm embarrassed to admit that, Michelle, but please uh, help us understand what's happened in the last several days in that country. Okay, so on Sunday, uh, the ex-president Jacob Zuma was uh, in contempt of court and he went to prison. And there was supposed to be a peaceful protest by Zuma supporters But unfortunately, there was no peaceful protest. By Sunday night, uh, basically, it seems like it was very strategically planned. All businesses were looted and burnt down to the ground. Um, Supply chain has been disrupted. So basically, all the trucks have been burnt down. All supply chain warehouses have been burnt down. All gas stations, uh, the petrol or gas have been stolen by looters and writers to make uh, petrol bombs uh, that they are using in residential areas. Uh, They are drive-by shooting, so they have a lot of guns, a lot of ammunition. And unfortunately, our police services run out of ammunition. Uh, Right now, there is no fuel for people to get out of uh, their homes or to go to get food. There's no food. There's no access to money because all ATMs have been destroyed and banks have been looted. Uh, There's no access to the main roads because they've been blocked by looters. Uh, Basically, uh, they have targeted uh, the uh, previously Indian areas. Well, in South Africa, because of apartheid, we had Indian areas, white areas and black areas. And it seems that it's systemically, uh, it's um, strategically uh, trying to uh, wipe out the Indian areas. So they are being terrorized uh, day and night for four days. I've got family who have literally not slept on Sunday night. The government has uh, basically uh, given us no protection there. So we've had neighborhood watches blocking uh, residential uh, uh, areas so that looters wouldn't come into those areas and burn down the malls. And um, actually, the government sent in the army yesterday after everything has been burnt down. And the army is at uh, government buildings and in some residential areas that have already been burnt down. And um, unfortunately, there's no access to food. Uh, people cannot even withdraw money from ATMs because the towers are down. They are trying to bomb substations so that electrical power will be cut off from residential areas. They are trying to cut off water supply. Um, Clinics have been looted and vaccines stolen. And as you know, South Africa is in the third wave of the pandemic. And uh, they are dealing with the new Delta variant and uh, the the, the, the variant within the Delta variant. 
And um, unfortunately, the government has not declared it uh, a state of emergency. In fact, uh, uh, people, residents have been told to take down the barricades and allow the looting to happen. Um, and that's what the, uh, the president has said. And sadly, as uh, people living far away from home in Canada, as of the 2016 census, there's 42,000 uh, South Africans living in Canada. And we all have family uh, in Durban and in Johannesburg who have basically lost their livelihoods. They've lost their, all their resources. And uh, they're at the mercy of, of writers and looters uh, constantly. And uh, I understand what violent crime is because I've lived uh, through apartheid South Africa. And I know I've lived a uh, first-hand experience of what violent crime is. It's extremely terrifying. The last what? four days uh, has just been gunshots and uh, petrol bombs going off. I wanted to ask what it's like for you. You mentioned your family back home. So where, where are they, first of all? What community? So my family uh, basically live in the residential areas of, of Phoenix and Chatsworth and Summer in Santon in Johannesburg. So basically all over South Africa, but mostly uh, contained within Phoenix and, and Chatsworth. So they um, basically have not been able to leave their homes in the last four days. Uh, bread, there's no bread, there's no milk, there's no diapers for babies. Um, it's all gone. It's all looted. And, um, yeah, it's, it, it, the world needs to know what's going on. Uh, how can uh, South Africans living in Canada help? What resources are available to help our families uh, to safety? How can the Canadian government help us? Uh, it is a war zone. It has not been declared a civil war, but it is a civil war. Is there any hope, any sign that things are slowing down? No, there's no signs of anything slowing down. Actually, last night was kind of the first night where people had a little bit of relief from uh, gunshots and uh, petrol bombs going off. Uh, Unfortunately, they are still uh, manning uh, these uh, barricades to make sure looters don't come into the areas because once they come in, they're going to burn down their houses. So... We will see tonight, uh, it's like the calm before the storm. And again, uh, living in South Africa, I know the landscape and I know how how things happen on a political note. And this is a political problem. And unfortunately, it's the civilians that are paying the price. Michelle, these uh, images that are coming out of S- South Africa are absolutely shocking. They're startling. And that's on the uh, available on the media. Uh, you've been sharing with me some of the home video and others that have been captured by those on the streets that may not necessarily be widely distributed. How difficult is it for you to see what's happening, uh, you know, this really almost firsthand? It's first-hand uh, videos coming out of uh, from family and friends, reliable sources. It's not fake news. Uh, they are getting voice notes from people that are being terrorized. There's women that are screaming. There's 15-year-old boys trying to protect their community. And literally, uh, the communities have been left to protect themselves. Uh, the police services have run out of ammunition. And uh, we have watched video clips of uh, Jacob Zuma's son inciting violence against Indians first, whites next, and biracial people after that. So I take these uh, 
just very seriously because um, literally, if you look at my country, my city is burned down to the ground. I'm not even sure how they're going to rebuild that. And uh, all my family is there. They're scared for their life. Uh, they have nowhere to go. Even if they have to flee South Africa, uh, they cannot even go into the surrounding neighbor, neighboring countries because those countries are also uh, in a lot of turmoil. So every, every uh, South African across the world in different countries are getting their government to help with their families if they want to seek asylum, if they want to seek refugee status, or if they want to be able to come here. And personally, myself, I have a lot of family that I'm terrified of what's going to happen to them. I haven't slept since Sunday night. Michelle Kay grew up in South Africa, now lives in Winnipeg. Thank you very much for bringing this to our attention and telling us about what's going on in that side of the world. Thank you for taking the time for amplifying this. It's really appreciated by me. I've got most of South Africa listening in on this and friends all over Australia, Vancouver and the U.S. listening in on this. Ling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. In our next segment, we're going to give away the $20 gift card from Santa Lucia Pizza based on your texts about scary jobs. Andrew says, how's this for a scary job? Being an old lineman, especially if you are a rider, staring into the eyes of Willie Jefferson at the line <laughs> of scrimmage at a packed IG field. Yeah! Good, good one, Andrew. And you know what? That ties in exactly with what, with what we're talking about here. It was the announcement long anticipated by sports fans in this part of the world. Large-scale outdoor professional sports or performing arts events may be able to operate with uh, capacities up to 100% uh, after developing an approved event plan in consultation with public health. And uh, at this point, I can... Uh, uh, announced that public health has approved uh, the uh, Winnipeg uh, Blue Bombers uh, game on August 5th uh, to uh, take place with 100% capacity to fully vaccinated fans. So among the other requirements for fans, uh, you heard Dr. Rusin there outlining the fact that you have to be double vaccinated and the ability to prove it is also part of the package. Cam has been sharing in sports this morning the different things we need to keep in mind if you want to attend that first game on August 5th. The fact that you've been getting some fans in before the CFL season, has it been nice to get a test run of just how the process will be getting tickets uh, scanned and the vaccination passes as well yes absolutely it's uh taught us a few things and uh we've adjusted a little bit each game and and learned from that and uh, we'll continue the next two games and uh you know we think we got a good system uh, ready to go that's wade miller president and ceo of the winnipeg football club in conversation with christian omel host of the cgob sports show miller also answered a question about whether or not blue bomber fans from across canada if they can find their way to winnipeg well, will they be allowed to get in the stadium for that first game? We're still working through that with the province, and ho- hopefully we can get to that point. And, uh, you know, these are all things that, uh, you know, first time for everybody in a pandemic, and none of us want to live through this again. So we're working through that, and hopefully can have an announcement in the next uh, week or so. Tatum Lee lives in Saskatchewan, but is a Blue Bomber season ticket holder and joins us this morning. Hi, Tatum. Hello. Okay, so is mixed emotions the right way to describe this then? You're not sure if, if you can get to that first game. Is that right? 
there's been a lot of mixed emotions in the last 24 hours for me. I've had anger and I've had tears and yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. Tatum, how did you find out? Like, so the announcement was made and then when you learned of it, like how did you learn that as of now you can't come to the game? Um, I had a friend send me an email that she got from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers yesterday and then I did receive one last night stating that at this time, out of province, fans will not be allowed to attend at this point in time. And then they gave us options of what we could do with our tickets at this point in time. And that was about how I found out. I can only imagine you're holding out hope that that gets rectified and, and something gets worked out before August 5th. For those that don't know Tatum, just give us an idea to the extent of your fandom. How far do you drive for every game? And just give us an idea, you know, how big a Blue Bomber fan you really are. Um, well, I drive four hours each way to get there. And my fan started when I was young. My grandparents were season ticket holders in the old stadium for 50 years on the 50-yard line, row one of the opposing team. And I would go with them and buy the cheap seats up in the nosebleed sections, and then they would sneak me down at halftime to go and sit with them. And it's just continued on since then, and it runs in my family and it runs in my blood. I had said earlier, Tatum, that, you know, even if you weren't a Blue Bombers fan, say you say you don't even like football, I would expect there's going to be people in that stadium in August who just want to go just to be part of something again. And so to imagine being such a huge fan like you are, driving four hours each way for the games, I can only imagine how you've probably been dreaming about it. Is it safe to say you've been thinking a lot about what it's going to feel like to be at that first game, and now now it's all up in the air for you? I've been thinking about this since last year. I've been waiting for to see the banner drop for the 2019 Grey Cup team. And I was at Grey Cup, and I've been waiting ever since then. Last year, it was out of our control. But this year, I guess it's out of our control. But when it first started, rumor had it that you just had to be double vaccinated before the announcement yesterday. And then they dropped this bombshell on all of us. Are you optimistic based on what we just heard from Wade Miller that uh, they're, you know, they're working on it, that you'll be able to be at that game? There's a little bit of hope, but I'm not crossing my fingers right now. It, uh, it sucks. Yeah, I know there are, are several people we've had inquiries and I've seen on social media those uh, from across the country who are hoping to be here for that game. And I guess it would be just a little bit of an extra dagger in the heart. Uh, we asked the question Christian did last night about what the plan is. You mentioned that banner raising or unfurling. It was something that was never done in the 80s, 84, 88, 1990 Grey Cups, never really to my memory, had that ceremony and it's something that we've been waiting for for a long, long time in these parts. And 
to imagine that those like you who who traveled and spent uh, thousands and upon thousands of dollars not only on your season tickets and your travel every year but to be in Calgary for that monumental accomplishment by the Blue Bombers for you to to be shut out of this game my heart hurts for you right now Tatum I have to tell you thank you thank you very much I am double vaccinated and I'm all for proving it and have no problem proving it I have a card it's just not digital I have a paper copy from the Saskatchewan Health Authority so I'm safe I travel to Manitoba all the time my parents live in Manitoba I have friendships in Winnipeg from football that I don't see other than football games I have friends that play on the team that I'm not going to get to see it really does hurt. Well, here's hoping it gets changed soon. And in the meantime, uh, we have a Blue Bomber fan. Kevin has texted to say he can adopt you for this season if you'd like, and that that will be your work. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love but, that idea. <laughs> yeah, you can. I guess you'd be his daughter. I don't know how that would work. I, I, but anyway, I know I, I'm really hopeful. I'm, I'm optimistic, Tatum, that this will this will get resolved. It makes sense. For if you can travel here anyway and be double vote dose, then it makes sense to me that you can come to this game. I, I, we'll see where this takes us, but thank you for the time this morning. Thank you for having me. That is Tatum Lee joining us live on 680 CJOB. Hopefully, this will change. You know, it's like like with so many things, Greg, through this pandemic, uh, kind of flying by the seat of our pants. You know, none of us have ever had to work through stuff like this, so everything is kind of new. No question about it. And, and if I know anything about Wade Miller, uh, he, he will be working very hard to rectify this situation. I, as you might know, <laughs> there's a gentleman who lives in San Diego, California, who also was at Grey Cup in Calgary and has become very passionate about our football club. And he wants to be here to see that banner come down as well. He's a long-suffering fan a San Diego Chargers fan for years, they won nothing ever. San Diego Padres have never won the World Series. So one of his teams finally wins a championship. He wants to be in the building when that banner comes down. And, well, here's hoping we can uh, sort that out and, and get it figured out for, for those on the outside looking in right now. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, for today's contest, we've been talking about scary jobs. And this is based on the fact that I was sitting on, on my balcony the other day looking out at uh, 55 Nassau at what I thought was uh, people on scaffolds painting the building. But uh, somebody has commented on my uh, video here on Instagram from Gloria. She says, uh, those are called swing stages, and they're putting on an elastomeric coating on the building. Oh. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds fancy. Mom, Brett, why didn't you know that, that that was elastomeric coating? <laughs> I feel like, come on. Yeah, yeah don't, I, I probably have a t-shirt that says elastomeric coating somewhere. <laughs> when and I I'd... can't paint, I like to do a solid elastomeric coating. <laughs> it, 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 it's, a, it's a type of paint. Somebody's uh, really, really cutting a fine line here. Anybody who paints oh, stucco, is it that's, really? that's what kind of paint they use as elastomeric. That's that's the latest technology in, 
in in paint. So uh, <laughs> don't 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 let that person throw you off too much. With okay. all due respect to our listener, <laughs> <laughs> I should have known that given how often I stain things. I should have all these paints up. Maybe you should put some elastomeric on your on your deck. I'm actually and you looking at it right it now. So often. Yeah, it uh, apparently is really great with water. I mean, it's more of a stucco thing, but I'd stucco the deck if I didn't have to stain it again. That's well, waterproof, baby. That's the way to go. So the question we asked you today is, what would be the job that no amount of money in the world would you do that job for? Like this listener saying, feeding the snakes at the zoo. Mm. No, thanks. But uh, we and I just realized we didn't talk about this off the air, but I, I'm assuming uh, I've got it labeled in our script here. Are, do we have consensus? Is this yes, our winning text? Do. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, Loren, why don't the you... name alone gives them the name. <laughs> <Yeah>, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the giveaway. Listener Greg is our winner this morning. <laughs> Dangerous job, high-rise window cleaner, working at 600 feet on ropes and bosun chair. The wind suddenly picked up and blew me 30 feet from the building and out over traffic. <laughs> Luckily, a co-worker was on the ground, grabbed the bottom of my rope and braced himself against a handrail. This then gave me the chance to descend without being tossed around like a balloon on a string. Wow. No, thank you. Being blown a 30. The movie up. You, oh, <laughs> that's right. And I'm, and I'm thinking of The Matrix with or, or, or Die Hard with John McClane having to push himself out from the building so he could kick the window in, shoot the window out and kick the window right. in. Right. Uh, but that was in a, an action movie and was super cool. While you're on the job, I would imagine not so much. But Greg says, kept going. He says, still going after 16 years, but now it's just a side hustle. I love the heights, and it offers a unique vantage point of whichever city I'm in. Right on, Greg. You're the winner. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.